Another big game, another big loss for the LA Clippers against one of the top contenders in the West. An opportunity to go second in the conference and the Oklahoma City Thunder made a clear statement that not so fast. Clippers losing this one 127 to 107. Going to be talking about it all 129 to 107. Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers. Your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, born and raised in L.A. and in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more L.A. Clipper and L.A. sports content. And Locked On Clippers is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. And I want you to just... Let it out. What did you see in this game? First game back since the All-Star break, and it was not a pretty one. And before we talk about that, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. So, the Clippers in this one, we lose this 129-107 to in our first game back from the All-Star break at Oklahoma City. This was the third and final game of the season series between these two teams, and we lost it. So that means that we lost the season series. So if there is a tiebreaker between the Clippers and the Thunder at the end of the season, they will have it. So, and you know what? They deserved it. Of course, it's a little advantageous to have two games at home. Not a little, it is advantageous to have two games at home relative to our one, but no excuses. Uh, the Clippers did not come out and put forth the right performance and the right intensity and attention to detail for four quarters that was necessary to win a game like this. And you got to give props to the Thunder. You know, before I get into all the things the Clippers did wrong, I want to give the Thunder some props for what they did well. And I thought they did, they did a really good job defending running the Clippers off the three-point line and making us go into Chet Holmgren, who, by the way, was just an absolute stud on both ends of the floor. The amount of shots that he changed and he altered. You know, I counted three shots in the second quarter alone that he forced Paul George to miss. Four in the entire first half, whether it be at the rim or contesting on the jumper in that high drop that he was in. And in the beginning of the game, we had an interesting strategy with Zubats guarding Josh Giddy. Because Josh Giddy can't shoot the ball with, you know, we're not, we're not fearing, jo- no teams, every team knows that Josh Giddy can't really shoot the ball like that for an NBA player at the guard position. So they all leave him open. So they give him what, you know, some teams do for Russell Westbrook. We put Zubats on Giddy and then Kawhi on Chet. And the first couple of possessions or the early in the game, Chet Holmgren was taking threes over Kawhi. What are we supposed to do? I guess put Zubats on him, but that's when he gets downhill. You know, Chet proved to be a real problem for us uh, again for the second time in these in the games at Oklahoma City. He was a major problem. In this one, 
He had 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks on 6-for-12 shooting and 3-for-6 from 3. Also, SGA, we couldn't guard him, period. His one-on-one prowess, I mean, the way he's improved as a player, of course, he started with us. It definitely is bittersweet to see him thriving the way that he is. But my biggest takeaway from this game was that the Thunder just looked quicker, more athletic, more lively, and they controlled the pace of the game. I said it very early on in the first half, even when we were only down by two at halftime, the pace was not favoring us. They are a more athletic team. They are literally, when they traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook, they built for the future. But the future, oh, it's become the present much sooner than we realized. The future is still there. This team is going to be dangerous going forward. But they're already really good right now. And that's because of the ascendance of SGA. I mean, this guy has gone insane. And he was the best player on the floor in this game. And I think that the Thunder were a little smarter with their defensive personnel. Uh, I don't remember Josh Giddy guarding too many of our better players in this game. Because what they did was they had him on Terrence Mann, and he would be willing to show or double and leave Terrence Mann open and try to make, force him to make a play. That was the Thunder scheme. And I thought a couple of times Terrence Mann did well with that, but as the game went on, I felt like he was looking when he got the ball in those short roll situations to pass. You know, he wasn't really looking at the basket. And I think part of that is Chet Holmgren being down there. But still, you know, you got to sell that drive. You know what I'm saying? Before you kick. If teams know you're going to kick and they have the length and quickness of an Oklahoma City Thunder with Lou Dort and uh, Jalen Williams and SGA out there, then they're going to force you to attack the closeout. And you got to take your space and take your any shot that you get. I thought we were passing up a lot of shots in stretches of this game. Or on certain possessions, we were passing up shots. Kawhi Leonard in the mid-range. I don't understand why the modern NBA, because they're so fixated on threes and layups, against good defensive teams, you got to take what you can get. If they're running you off the three-point line because they have crazy athleticism and guys that can get out there, and you take two dribbles in and you got a wide open pull-up mid-range, Take it. I don't care if the analytics say that you're not good from there. In the playoffs, this is what you're going to get. Because then when you're going at the rim, you're seeing Chet Holmgren or Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis. So, like, you got to take what you can get. But I thought the theme in the third quarter mainly, because that was when we really, you know, this game blew open. Because first quarter, you know, we were up 23-16 to at one point, and everyone was playing well. It felt like it was going to be a game where we just showcased how much talent we have, why we're just a little better than the Thunder right now. That's what I was thinking when we were up 23 to 16. And they responded. They were up 40 to 33 at one point in that second quarter, but we were able to cut it down to a two-point game at the half. And then in the third quarter, I mean, they absolutely ran us off the floor. And I have to say, my main theme to that quarter was Get blocked or miss a layup, basket or three on the other end for the Thunder. I mean, we had, there were six points that the Thunder scored in the third quarter from blocks. 
And that that doesn't count the turnovers either. Just from blocks, they scored six points right off right after that. And by the way, if it's a Zubats gets the worst whistle. I think, you know, it's between him and Blake Griffin in my time as a fan who's gotten the worst whistle as a Clipper. Paul George doesn't get a good one, but Zubats' whistle is ridiculous. He just can get his whole arm grabbed at the rim and there's nothing. And you know one thing that pisses me off is a lot of these controversial no calls, they don't replay it because there's so much action happening in the NBA. They don't give us multiple replays. There was one block that Jalen Williams had on Zoo, and he had two blocks on him in the third quarter, but there was one where it looked like he grabbed his hand, but of course, hand is part of the ball. I just wanted to see a better look at it, and we got one quick replay. I don't remember, but every time we missed a layup or got blocked at the rim, and they were blocking us a ton, so like, what can we do differently? I don't know. I think Zubats gets blocked a lot. That's not just this game. I think that's a theme because he, as great as Zubats is, and I think he was doing an amazing job in the first half, especially the, you know, I'll talk about Zubats more later in the episode, but just for this point, he doesn't really get off the ground. That's why he's not a real lob threat. He does not get off the ground like that. He can block shots. He has some strong dunks. He's a bruiser, but he doesn't really elevate. He gets blocked a lot. Then you have... Russell Westbrook, who was in the first quarter, he was up and down. He had some really solid moments right when he checked into the game and then started getting a little sloppy towards the end of the first quarter. Ended up having a plus one, plus minus. So it wasn't like he tanked anything when he was in 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 those moments, first quarter. But he didn't play any of the second. And then the third quarter, James Harden got pulled out of the game with 7.36 left in the third, we were down 70-74. to 74. At the end of the third quarter, it was 82-96, to 96, and James Harden came back in to start the fourth. I'm not blaming this all on Westbrook, but when Russ came in for Harden, it really hurt. Furthermore, if you want to take it a step further, it was actually 79-83 with 3.54 to go in the quarter. So for four minutes about, even with Russ in, we were still only down by four. But when Zubats came out with 354 left in the first and we went small, because Ty elected to go away from Mason in that second half. And Mason, I can see why he was not good. We'll talk about that more later. But we got lit up. And it was like a layup line. Straight up, a layup line. But the moral of the story for me that was killing us was we were missing layups or getting blocked because of their crazy athleticism. And they just did a much better job getting bodies back in transition. Much better job having multiple bodies contesting us at the rim. We obviously are slower in transition. We're just slower and older. Now, what does that mean in the playoffs if we match up? I think a lot of things have to happen before we talk about that. But in a regular season setting, when the game is more up and down, as I was saying, we did not control pace. We did not play through James Harden enough for this. And I think against them, we have to. Because when the game's up and down like that, that doesn't favor us anymore. And Russ was, I mean, the missed layups, I I can't really sugarcoat it. Like he, it's been happening since he was a Laker, but the missed layups, I mean, it's really become detrimental when they're just point blank, point blank. And it ends up being a bucket at the other end for them. But coming up, going to get more in depth about this third quarter smackdown because it wasn't pretty. I got to tell you a little something about Stitch Fix. You know that instant confidence boost you get from an outfit that makes you look really good? That's what I get with Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, 
you get a stylist who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season. Easily upgrade your wardrobe this year with a professional stylist that helps you find new on-trend favorites that will work for you. My stylist always sends just right pieces and the fit is on point. Style that makes you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That's stitchfix.com slash locked on. Stitchfix.com slash locked on. All right. Let's talk about the rest of this one because it was not pretty. The third quarter smackdown. A little bit of context. I think the Clippers are playing great in the first quarter, right? We were up 23 to 16. Plumlee came in for Zubots and they went on a 16 to 4 run. Like the game instantly changed when Zoo came out of the game. And by the time he came in, I believe we were down by seven points. Like Mason Plumlee, he offers zero resistance at the rim in that drop. If he comes out on screens, he gets the corner turned on him. I mean, I don't even know what to say. No, so we weren't down by seven, actually. It was we were up by seven when we had Zoo in, and by the time the quarter ended and he checked back in at the end of the second, um, or to start the second, we were down by two. So that's a nine-point swing their way. So here's the thing about Mason, right? I don't think he defensively can hang against good teams, playoff teams for that matter. He is what he is. You know, he's a good roller. He's a solid finisher around the basket. He can handle the ball for a big. He's pretty mobile offensively, not defensively. Uh, he can make some good passes. He's more of a lob threat than Zoo and Tice. But defensively, he really offers nothing. And against these good teams, I'm a little skeptical about him. I've been saying I'm Team Daniel Tice. I think he offers more uh, resistance at the rim despite his lack of size. He more frequently... F- you know, shows effort. He has good moments of verticality around the rim. And one thing I'll also say is his ability to hit that little push shot from 10 feet or that mid range from 12 feet, it really gives us a different look than with Zubots and Plumlee, who really just can roll all the way to the basket. Because especially with Russ, if Russ gets by someone, right, and there's a rim protector that is athletic enough and long enough to play two at once, meaning that they can take away and deter Russ's layup attempt, or if he passes, able to jump to contest Russ's pass and then still block or contest who he just Mason when he just gives the ball to him. Anthony Davis, Chet Holmgren, Rudy Gobert, these guys have the ability to do that. But with Tice, if Russ gets the step and the defender wants to sag off like that, him just being around hanging around that foul line area or in that middle of the key where Russ can just drop it off, that really helps him and gives him a little outlet right there. So I would really consider going back to Tice. I think Mason's just bigger, but he doesn't actually show it around the rim. And here's the crazy part, right? And this is just the sad reality of us as as basketball fans, as Clipper fans, and Clipper front office, just not knowing enough about 
Eh, I wouldn't say that. I was going to say not knowing enough about Mason Plumlee as a basketball player, but we were desperate. We needed a big because we didn't have anything serviceable. Like, no offense to Moses Brown. He, on a playoff team, he's not serviceable to get the minutes that we were asking for. And so we needed to get Mason Plumlee. But now that it's more than just, okay, we've got a backup big, but we had one of the best backup bigs in the league in the regular season in Montrez Harrell when we first put this team together. But then in the playoffs, why didn't he work? Because he was an undersized five that couldn't stretch the floor, was very good offensively around the basket and a roller, but he couldn't defend and offer no resistance at the rim. You know the only difference between Mason Plumlee and Montrez Harrell? Mason Plumlee is just bigger, but doesn't offer any more resistance at the rim. And then offensively, Montrez was way more skilled. Around the back, scoring-wise, way more. So he had real post game. He had a running hook that was automatic. He was relentless at the basket. There was no games you watched where you watched Montrez Harrell and you were like, he didn't come to play. He didn't try. You know, defensively, he just wasn't very good. But offensively, he was an absolute workhorse. Mason Plumlee, he's, he's solid. But in my opinion, he may not be good enough to be in a championship rotation at this stage of his career. I'm being dead serious. Like, maybe that's harsh. But you just got to know that defensively, he's, he's going to be a net negative. Like, he's not as good. And in the second half, Ty went completely away from him. And so when he went away from him, as I mentioned, Russ was atrocious in this game. And in that third quarter, it stuck out like crazy. And again, I love Russell Westbrook, but there's no excusing. One for nine in 16 minutes. James Harden played 29 minutes, and he still shot the same amount of shots as Russ. Does that say more about Harden not being aggressive or Russ being too aggressive? Russ only shot two threes, so that's fine with me. It was just the missed layups that were infuriating. He had two points, five assists, only one rebound, and one turnover. So, I mean, at least he didn't turn the ball over too much, but those missed layups are basically like turnovers when it's point blank like that. And, by the way, for all the defensive stuff we've heard about Russ this season and we've seen, he didn't guard SGA at all. At all. Of course, they're not going to look to attack him and Kawhi Leonard on switches, but... In that third quarter smackdown, part of it was because we could not guard SGA. And I tracked all his made field goals and who was guarding him on them as a primary defender. Every single one. And for the most part, they were all one-on-one or in transition with one guy to beat. It was not even like, you know, pick and roll, drop coverage, floaters, none of that. We were switching a lot, as were they. And we honestly had more weak links defensively than they did. Their weak link is Josh Giddy, and they didn't switch him on to our best players. Whereas we switched Norman Powell and James Harden on SGA repeatedly, and he just scored on them a lot. So PG got scored on twice by SGA, Harden twice, Amir twice, Norm four times, and Terrence twice. Now, that doesn't even account for all the times SGA probably drove uh, by one of these guys or attracted attention and found an open teammate. But that's just his 12 field goals, right? Norman Powell four times. Look, it wasn't like he was playing atrocious defense, but Norm cannot guard SGA, period. James Harden, similar thing. I actually think Harden's defensive effort was not bad. He actually had some decent moments, like one time where he was really good about just not fouling Gordon Hayward when he was going downhill on a fast break. Um, But everybody else, you know, they could not stay in front of SGA. And I think it's easier said than done. He's so incredible with his counters offensively. But we we need to really only guard him with Terrence, uh, Amir, Kawhi, and Paul if we play him in the playoffs. Like that's about and Russ. Those are the only guys that should be able to guard him. The other guys need to just hedge and recover or show and recover. They can't. We can't leave him on an island. I'm sorry. He's just too good. He's gone to that point where only certain guys on the court can guard him. And 
I mean, besides that, our transition defense was poor. And one thing I'll say about this team, they're very well coached. Mark Dagnall, he does a great job. They all move without the ball and back cut. And there were, at least it seemed like one player, like each of our rotation players, no proof on this, but a lot of them got beat backdoor at some point of the game. Kawhi did, James Harden did, Paul George did. I mean, the alertness in the second half was not good enough. And then... uh, Zubats comes out when it's 79-83. So in hindsight, James Harden, I did say that he needs to play a little bit less for his own good in terms of his body, but I meant against teams that we, you know, should be beating handedly without him having to play 34 plus minutes. The Thunder, this is a huge game. If there's any game we want to play James Harden a lot, it's after the All-Star break against the Thunder. I get it. We have a back-to-back against the Grizzlies tomorrow or on Friday. James Harden only playing uh Two minute, uh, four minutes and 24 seconds of the third before sitting out the rest of the quarter and Westbrook coming in and kind of stinking up the joint. That's, I mean, that's not good. We can't have that in the playoffs. I mean, point blank. 82-96 by the time James came back in. So a 10-point swing. Now, Zubats, we were still in it. As I said, 79-83. He comes out of the game at 354. We go small and we get lit up. Because here's the thing about going small. When you have this personnel, right? Small ball, switch everything. Your rim protection is not there because you've gone small. So you know what your rim protection has to be? Staying in front of the ball. And they did not do a good job of that. We did not do a good job of that. SGA is a tough customer. And with we went to Kawhi against Isaiah Joe, who, by the way, they started in that second half instead of Giddy because Giddy obviously missed a bunch of shots. He was 4 for 10, I believe, in the game. He still made some shots, though. But Isaiah Joe, he made a huge difference. He was four for five from the field. He's a great shooter. And the thing is, when he was guarding Kawhi, they were allowing us to give the ball to Kawhi and then double teaming. And I thought Kawhi did a better job yet again of moving the ball quickly out of the double. But we weren't doing a good enough job exploiting that. And as I said, when they put the defense in rotation, you got to take what you can get against good teams. You can't just fiend a three or a layup and pass up everything else. You know, you got to embrace the in-between, Terrence Mann included. But as I said... We're missing layups, conceding threes, you know, getting blocked left and right, and that's tough to overcome. You know, a tough whistle as well, but I'm not going to blame it on that. That third quarter made the difference, and the third quarter score was 35-23 in favor of the Thunder, and in the fourth quarter, you know, we missed a couple of good looks at three to start. James Harden had eight points in the quarter. We put Kawhi back in with four minutes left because I think what what Ty was doing was Let's see if, you know, it's worth putting Kawhi back in this game. And then he did because we made a little push and cut it to 12. And then he put him in for 23 seconds. They scored, and that was it. Wave the white flag. But, yeah, that third quarter, it felt very similar to the uh, the Timberwolves game. We collapsed. And Russell Westbrook, he was part of that. You know, the the layups were really costly. I mean, one for nine in the game, that's really bad. It's not good. But, yeah, I got some more smoke for some of the other guys as well. It's a tough one. Going to be talking about the bottom line coming up. I got to tell you a little something about eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. You know what? I am going to go 
with Keontae George. And here's why. He is going to start replacing Chris Dunn. He has his efficiency problems, but I think the Jazz are going to give him his chance to score a lot and get a lot of shots up. And he, we saw in the summer league against our Clippers, he really likes to get those shots up. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, going to be a lot to talk about here to end it off because I feel like there's so much I still haven't gotten really into. Um, Let's put it this way. The Thunder had a 33-25 win in the fourth quarter in terms of the score in that quarter, and they won it 129-107. to A couple takeaways. I mean, the Thunder shot lights out. 56% 56% from the field, 49% from three, 71% from the line. So they actually just didn't shoot that well from the line. Clippers shot 45% from the field, not that bad from three, 37%, and then 85% from the line on 11 for 13 shooting. Um, as far as turnovers are concerned, it felt like we really were costly on those. Uh, 15 turnovers for the Thunder, 14 for the Clippers, but they had 20 points off of our turnovers. We had 14 off of theirs. They had 54 points in the paint to our 42, and I think a large reason is that SGA was getting into the paint at will, and he was the best player on the court, as I said. So going forward, if we see them in the playoffs, only certain guys should be able to guard him. But here's my thing. Our star players got to be better. We didn't get a four. It was a It was a mistake. We should have gotten a four. We should have gotten another body, but we didn't. So we got to look at our what we have. Kawhi Leonard, he needs to take more than 12 shots. I saw that they were double teaming him in the second half. I do not care. He needs to force. There's no reason why Paul George should be shooting more than him when he's shooting like that. And then Paul George has a lack of self-awareness as well. He has not had many 20-plus point games the last month or so. He has been a little suspect, and I know he's had that groin injury. But how often have we seen this from Paul George as a clipper? His inconsistencies, they're growing old. We need to get the aggressive version of Paul George in the playoffs. And let me just say this about P. He was one for five in the second quarter. A lot of those were, again, as I said, Chet Holmgren caused four misses from him in the first half. The shots where he's going to the rim and Chet does a great job being vertical, I have no problem with those misses because we want PG to be aggressive. But... He settles for too many contested jumpers. And that one against Lou Dort one-on-one where they were completely loading up on him and he just didn't see anybody, didn't go to the right where he had the open space in front of him, tried to pull up for a 20-footer right in front of the line, which is like the most discouraged shot by analytics. And honestly, I agree on that. He got blocked and Lou Dort scored on the other end. And then defensively, the way when things go tough, he just kind of gives up defensively is really, really suspect. I mean... He's guarding SGA and he's just sagging off like immensely and letting SGA walk into an open three. Like, are you serious, bro? Like, this is a very major game for us. And then, you know, the amount of miscommunications we had in the second half. I know we're, we're, it's a layup line. We're getting beat left and right off the bounce. We're getting beat back door. 
but the miscommunications. Like, there was one time where Ivica Zubas was guarding Lou Dort, and he had him trapped in the corner, causing him to pass. And then, because Zu wants to hang around the rim, he's telling Terrence Mann to switch as Lou Dort starts drifting to the right wing for three. And he just clearly, I, we have 1080p HD these days. I can clearly see that Zubats did not make it clear to Terrence that he wanted to switch. And for, for what it's worth, he should not have switched. You stay solid for seven more seconds. That was unnecessary. And then early in the fourth quarter, which by the way, we went, we went with the lineup of Paul George, Amir, James, Russ, and Norm before we put Zubak in. And that lineup is Paul George at the five. We can't do that against good teams, Ty. And I think maybe he just tried it. But this is not the game to be trying things. I don't think that costs us the game. But Ty definitely should, uh, you know, some he, he definitely needs to take some blame for this game. But yeah, we got killed in transition. We looked less athletic. But our players, our star players, need to just be better. We need, against good teams, I'm just going to make it very clear. We need two of them to play really well. If one of them doesn't play that well, well, we have other guys like Norm, who had 14 points in the first half and was probably our best player in this game. He finished with 19 points um, on 7 for 15 shooting and 4 for 9 from 3 in 31 minutes. He was pretty great. But defensively, again, he doesn't, you know, he was bad. Offensively, great. Defensively, not very good. But that's who Norm is. The thing is, we need two of them to play great. If three of them play great, Harden, Paul, and Kawhi all play great, then we, we should be very tough to beat. But when one of them only plays well and then we have two that play badly, I'm not saying that happened in this game. It's going to be, we lose every time it seems. But James Harden only having nine shots and having nine points going into the fourth, you know, that's not good enough. 17 points, six rebounds, only two assists. You know what that tells me? He's not creating enough advantages in this game. He still got guys some pretty good shots, but it wasn't the same as normal. He was 5 for 9 from the field and 3 for 6 from 3, 4 for 4 from the line, 17 points, 6 boards, 2 assists and a steal, 3 turnovers in 29 minutes. My thing with James, I think the substitutions were a little wrong by Ty, but James, against the good teams, I've, I've not loved what I've seen in terms of creating advantages as much as he does against you know the lesser teams. Um, which is obvious, but we're gonna we're gonna be playing against good teams in the playoffs. So uh, I think part of it is we needed we needed to run things through him a little more. And one thing I've noticed since Zoo came back, I feel like Harden's making the right pass with that pocket pass to Zoo, but he might need to just take one more dribble before he throws to Zoo because I feel like at times Zoo's catching it at the foul line and he's not that great have to put having to put the ball on the floor much and going up. I think it's better if you have him dribble as little as possible. So I think James, he just might have to take one more dribble. And I know that could increase the chance of the big playing two and somebody recovering. But I think James is good enough throwing that lob pass over the top. And you're starting to see his floater come back a little bit. So that's just something to watch. I think they'll get there. But when Zoo catches the ball at the foul line in that high drop pick and roll, He's not great at putting the ball on the floor that much when it's close quarters and making a quick decision. But Paul George, I mean, this guy, some of the just dilly-dallying he does. And in the fourth quarter, you know, Amir was missing open threes. And Amir had a really bad defensive game too, which I never say. But he was just not offering much resistance one-on-one. He was not great off the ball, not communicating at times. I mean, one time Jalen Williams walked into an open three because Amir and Paul George didn't know if they were switching or not. It was very obvious they were switching. It was Chet Holmgren setting the screen. You're switching that. 
and they're letting Jalen Williams walk into threes. Like, that's the lack of urgency you can't have if you want to win a championship. I know it's just a regular season game, but this is where you build the habits. Paul George uh, was one for four in the first two and a half minutes of the fourth, and it was all three shots were brick threes. He needs to be much better. Point blank, end of story. Much smarter. You know, how many times did he catch the ball at the elbow today? Or on Thursday? None. I don't remember one. May have been one, though. He had 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists. Was bad defensively in the second half. At least he didn't turn the ball over. But he was 6 for 16 from the field. 2 for 6 from 3. Kawhi had 20 points on 9 for 12 shooting and 0 for 2 from 3. And again, I want to point out, Kawhi only playing 23 seconds in the 4th. Is the better idea to have him, you know, his minutes rotation now as he plays the entire third? We might have to switch that. I've been saying it for a minute. I've been saying it since last season. But yeah, Terrence, man, I thought he was decent. He needs to be more aggressive, though. He's still way too hesitant, but he had a rough third quarter. He missed two solid looks, one on a turnaround, one on an open three, and then he got stripped by Josh Giddy at the rim. That was pretty costly. Um, but as I said, everybody was getting blocked. Um... And then he tried to challenge Chet at the rim and missed the dunk. But I like the other things Terrence was doing. He was making some good passes, rebounding. You know, he had six assists and six boards, eight points on three for eight shooting and two for three from three. But he was two for three from three. So he needs to let it fly with, you know, just keep letting it fly. He's still too hesitant. You've got to shoot with more conviction, Terrence. Point blank. And look at the rim on that short roll. Defensively, I mean, I think he tried, but. SGA and them, they were attacking Harden and Norm in the pick and roll when they went when we went small. Plumlee played eight minutes. He had two points and four rebounds. He was a minus 12 in those eight minutes. But yeah, that's pretty much everyone. Zubots, 13 and 12. Uh, five for 12 from the field. He just doesn't get any calls, but it was a rough one. So moral bottom line, our stars need to be better. Paul George needs to be better, and our defense needs to step up. We're not staying in front of the ball. And if we're going to play such small ball... We got to do a better job of staying in front of the ball. There's no other way around it. We got out, you know, we just looked younger. I'm sorry. We just looked older and slower, which we are. What can I say about it? By the way, Russ's night ended at 1039 in the fourth. And by the way, with, with Zoo, he came out at 79.83 with 354 to go in the third. And then he comes back in. And it's 84 to 100. It's a 12 point swing. If it's a Zubats had an even plus minus, the highest in the game. Nobody was in the positive for the Clips. That tells you something. Free Tice. That's it for me in this one, guys. Uh, make sure you subscribe, comment. You know what to do. The age old proverb continues. Go Clippers.